If you don't know me, uh, my name is AJ. I have the privilege of serving on staff here at the church. Uh, I've been on staff here for about two and a half years, roughly, and it's just been a great, great journey uh, that God has brought us through. Um, before we get into the Word this morning, I just want to take a couple moments, uh, do a little bit of housekeeping, kind of make a little announcement here that, that you'll be interested in. Uh, if you recall back in October of this year, we had a family meeting. It was after uh, the service one day. We sat in the cafe and had some soup and just talked through some financial things of the church and different things like that. But one of the things we announced at that meeting was that the elders have, uh, direction team has decided to um, send out a job posting for a lead pastor. Uh, we collected a lot of information back from, from all of you. We got a big old thick stack of papers to go through and it was very good just to read all the comments uh, that you all had shared. That was a couple months ago. A long, uh, a long time has passed. We've had several, several, several candidates interested in coming to this church to be the lead pastor. It's a very time-consuming process. There's a lot of data to sift through. There's a lot of resumes to read. There's a lot of prayers to be prayed. There's a lot of messages to listen to and things, videos to watch. But I want to reassure you that this is being done with great care, that this is being done with a lot of prayer. We've had some interviews of candidates along the way, and we have one candidate that we've been praying about. And mutually, he and his wife and our direction team here, our elders, have decided to take the next step with this person. And you say, what does that mean? God knows what that means. So what that means is, you want to mark your calendars down. This is January 23rd. Uh, this man is going to come visit the area. He's going to bring his wife. And we're just going to pray with them. They're going to visit. They're going to look around. He's going to speak on Sunday morning. As a candidate, as a guest speaker, I want to be very open and honest. This isn't the end-all, be-all. This is the guy. But I just want to be very open and honest with you and tell you that we're in this process. It is going along. But I also want to ask that you pray. Pray along with us. Two things I've been praying for since the start of this transition for this church. Because people ask me, they say, how do you pray? What do you pray for? And I say, I pray for clarity, number one, absolute clarity. We have to hear from God. And number two is unity. The, the most recent thing that I've been praying, and you can pray this in the next couple weeks as a, this man prepares to come here, but I'm praying that doors that are open are supposed to be open, open up. And doors that are supposed to close, be closed. We will not move forward until we hear from God. So I'm just asking that you pray with us. In fact, I want to pray right now. God, you know our hearts. You know our position. 
God, you know this church was birthed to worship you, to love you, to do missions in the word, in the world, and to preach the word. And God, we will continue to do that. And God, even as we walk through this process, we're asking for your clear direction. We're asking for unity. We're asking for those doors to be open. They're supposed to be open and the doors to be closed that are to be closed. So God, just guide us, minister to us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Uh, we're going to be jumping around a little bit in the Word today. Uh, we're going to be hanging around Isaiah, uh, a little bit around 7 and 9, and a little bit in Luke 1 and 2. So you can turn there. Um, while you're turning, I just want to read this story to you. At Sunday school, the younger children were drawing pictures illustrating biblical stories. The teacher walked by and noticed the little boy was drawing an airplane. Oh, what Bible story are you drawing? She asked. This is the flight into Egypt, the little boy answered. See, here's Mary, here's Joseph, and here's baby Jesus. And he said this, pointing to the front of the of the drawing in front of the plane. He said, this is Pontius. He's the pilot. <laughs> now, it's not 100% biblically accurate, but if you want to read that story, uh, you can find the real flight of Egypt in Matthew 2. I've titled this message this morning, This is Christmas. You can see it up on the slide. Just so many distractions, different things, but this the Word of God, this is Christmas. I want us to take one more, um, just short thing here. Go ahead and throw that picture up there. Ann and Rich are traveling this weekend. Um, they welcomed their new granddaughter into the world. Uh, her name is Aurora, so uh, this is just a little picture of her. So they send their love this morning and say hi. So what is Christmas, right? There's so many answers to that question. Like I said, there's so many distractions. There's so many different versions of what the word Christmas is. I actually heard a little survey this past week. They were asking different people, what is Christmas? And somebody said, oh, that's the day that Jesus died. No, no. Just to be very clear, Christmas is the day we celebrate that Jesus was born. Amen. Sometimes um, I think about this, what, what we're reading on our screens. We're, we're, we're such a screen truth society. And what do I mean by that? I mean that if it, if it pops up on our screen, if we read it on our screen, it's got to be true, right? No, wrong. And that's part of the distraction, part of the things that are trying to get our attention away from what Christmas is really about. We're going to look at um, a little bit about prophecy today, some of the biblical prophecies of Christmas. Prophecy, by definition, is a prediction. The dictionary actually says an inspired utterance by a prophet, a declaration of divine will or purpose. Now, almost always, when you hear the word prophecy, or you hear, ooh, I almost walked on water there for a second. Almost always when you hear the word prophecy, it is designed to be a building up, an encouragement to the church. 
You know, don't get all weirded out. People think, oh, a prophet's coming in. He's going to dig up all my dirty laundry. He's going to tell all my closet secrets, my secret sins. Almost always a prophecy is meant to build up and encourage. In 1 Corinthians 14, Paul actually says, but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. I didn't hear any negative things in there. I didn't hear any ripping down, ripping the church down, you know, digging into people's lives. Speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue, totally different than prophecy, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. A lot of you know the history of this church. Some of you know, you know, we started in a photography studio, moved from there to One Main, moved from there to, help me out, Sarah, the Interfaith Chapel, thank you. Um, historically, we've had numerous, numerous words spoken over this church. We talk about visions. Rich shared last week the vision that somebody had during worship right here a couple weeks ago. That those ribbons of grace were going to surround us. They're going to intertwine us as we worship. Jeff shared this morning about the vision he had about those worshiping and praising we're going to look at a prophecy that was spoken over this house back in the ripe old year of 2003. Now, I know some of you weren't even born in 2003, and some of you didn't attend this church, but some of you were here, and some of you know some of this history. So this was a word from 2003. is right around this time, right around Christmas. It says, friends of God, Christmas is almost here. Long ago, Jesus was about to be born. Jesus came with a purpose. PF is also born with a purpose, to do God's will. We said, yes, I will obey. We will obey you. So he made a covenant with us. If our yes is to him, he would be with us. He promised this. We talked about that this morning. The promises of God, the word of God. Like Jesus, at 12, 12 years old, well, let me back up. We've come out of the manger, and the manger is representing the Photoshop where the church started. We've come out of the manger and then to Nazareth, which is to one main, to grow like Jesus. Like Jesus, at 12, we went to Interfaith Chapel to mature even further. We really began to get serious and built where we are now. Sort of like a Jordan River crossing, Holy Spirit was moving us and testing were taking place. Judah, or praise, literally means praise, was going forward in warfare. Even as we write this, testifying and warfare is going on. I love this. Right here, I gotta say, trust him. Stand steady. Keep his faith that he's leading us on to where he wants us to be. We must learn to hear his voice very clearly so we don't miss his directions and be, be obedient to his every command. He told us when we started, keep your eyes on the uplifted ark in front of us. Here's the part you want to pay attention to. We've never been here before. Only he knows the way. 
We've never been here before. He has a purpose for all of us, but we, not, we must not miss it, not take this lightly. You know, we live in a world that's never been where it's been right now. We've got so many mandates. We've got so many people crawling out of the woodwork telling us what to do. You've got to do this. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. I hope that we're clearly, like this prophecy says, we're listening to the voice of God for that clear direction where he wants us to go. Some scholars believe that there's over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament that actually talk about the birth of Christ. Now, we don't have time to look at all those, but we're going to look at a couple. So Isaiah 7, chapter 14. I think it's on there. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. That's a very specific word. It's talking about a virgin conceiving, a thing that the world had never heard of. And then his name, right? His name is very specific to that prophecy. Let's flip over a couple pages and look at Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. Good lead in, Julie. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to rule it and establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Another prophecy, another word that was spoken before the birth of Christ. The book of Isaiah actually outlines two things, right? It's a whole prophetic book. The first thing it outlines is the coming judgment of Israel and the nations. But it also illustrates the hope of the new covenant of the Messiah that was to come. So let's just think about this. The book of Isaiah was written, give or take, about 700 years before the birth of Christ. 700 years. The country we live in, we just celebrated our, how many years old are we? Does anybody know? 235, you're close. 235 years old. We're only like 35% of that way to 700. 35%. I think we've forgotten a lot of things over 235 years as a country. Can you imagine 700 years? There weren't any books. There weren't any digital records. You couldn't scroll through your Facebook and go, hey, honey, look at here. There's a memory that popped up. 300 years ago, our ancestors said, um, the, the Messiah's coming. See, right here, right here. It's on my phone. No. There weren't any digital records. 700 years. Maybe a scroll. Maybe. But definitely word of mouth. Those oral traditions. How many have ever been to a campfire and, and told stories around the campfire? I think that's what it was like. I think that they got together in small groups, family meetings, and said, and just told those stories over and over again. 
growing up, um, I lived a pretty simple life. But my family was very close to where we lived. My grandparents lived in a different state. Uh, both sets of grandparents lived in two different states. But we were still very close uh, community, close family unit. So some of my earliest childhood memories were of those Christmases where we'd have our own immediate family Christmas in the morning. Then we'd go to my father's parents in the afternoon. Then we'd pack it all up, reload, and go to my mother's parents in the evening. So there was like a triple, triple threat there, triple threat Christmas. But some of those memories were like hearing the stories that were told. One of them I remember was how uh, my dad started dating my mom, and my mom's father threw my dad out in the snowbank. So. But those stories, right, they were passed down from generation to generation by word of mouth. I believe many who told those stories had no idea. They, they wouldn't even see the Messiah coming, right? They wouldn't live long enough, obviously, the 700-year time frame. They wouldn't even live long enough to see those prophecies fulfilled and see Jesus coming to earth. We're going to look at another one in the Old Testament, and then we'll jump to Luke chapter 1. This one comes out of Micah 5, verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from old, from everlasting. Another, again, another prophecy that very discreetly des describes, right, the details of the birth. The location is very detailed. It tells exactly where it's going to happen. And then it says, you know, Judah, even though you're not real popular, great things are coming from you. Let's flip over to Luke chapter 1. We're going to start around verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. A virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. I'll just stop right there for a second. The sixth month here, what they're referring to is, that was the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Okay? Elizabeth was a relative of Mary. It's not the sixth month of the year. It's not June. Okay, this is the sixth month of her pregnancy. So it just gives it a reference, like a time frame. The angel appears as a messenger to Mary. Mary didn't get like an email to a Zoom link. She didn't get a text for a FaceTime call. The angel just appears to Mary, right? It's also one of the very first times we learn about Mary's status of being a virgin, which is a very important detail, as we know, in the Christmas story. So let's continue on in 28. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at this saying and considered what manner of greetings this was. I like it when it says, Rejoice, highly favored one. Mary was the favored one. She was the chosen one. Now let's not 
turn something, turn Mary into something that she's not, right? She just has the favor of God. And I just say this morning, if you have the favor of God on your life, just own it. Don't apologize for it. Don't make any excuses. Don't turn it into something it's not. Just accept it. When you don't accept that favor of God, what you're saying is, God, you made a mistake by giving this favor to me. I, I, I don't really deserve it. I, I don't earn the favor. I don't want the favor. No. If God gives you favor, accept it. It's yours. It's a gift. And the part here where it says, you will be blessed among women. Why is that in there? I, I think, again, just, just me here talking. I think this is important because Mary was going to share her story. If, if an angel encountered you, you wouldn't just keep it to yourself. You know, you're going to tell somebody. So out of all the things that Mary was going through, I think that she got this, blessed are you among women, because she was going to share it with other women. They were going to listen to her. They were going to listen to the power of her testimony. Let's go on to 30. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Boom. The end. Do we need anything else? If we have the favor of God, do we need anything else? I mean, that's a great peace. Knowing that God found favor with her. There's not a more comforting feeling than when we find favor with God. Amen? There's no amount of cash, no worldly pleasure, no great wealth can compare to that great peace of having the favor of God. And 31, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Again, very specific word about his name. So the third thing the angel says, he says, you, you, you know, you will conceive in your womb, bring forth this son, you call him Jesus. Now we know that a woman bring, brings forth a fertilized seed by a male. You, you remember that prophecy in Isaiah 7, 14, the first one we read, the virgin will conceive, right? It's part of the plan. So this prophecy here that the, the angel's actually speaking out, what the angel's doing, he's fulfilling part of the prophecy that was spoken back in Genesis. Genesis chapter 3, verses for, th Genesis 3, 15 says, and I will put enmity Enmity is like the feeling of being opposed between you and the woman. God is talking to the serpent here. And between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Just awesome, awesome imagery. So he's fulfilling part of the prophecy that was spoken in Genesis, but yet he's providing a new prophecy to Mary saying, you will conceive, you will bring forth a son, you will call him Jesus. So let's go on to 32. He will be great. 
Isn't that like a prophecy for the next 2,000 years of every praise and worship song that was ever written? He shall be great. I mean, think about it. You have, you have songs like Great Things, you know, Phil Wickham song, we sing it here. How great is our God. Great are you, Lord. Great is the Lord. We go back a couple generations. Great is thy faithfulness. Your grace is enough. Talks about how great the Lord is. I bet you, I don't know how many, I bet you there are thousands of worship songs that say this, verse 32, he shall be great. He is great. He will be great. I actually wrote this little statement out. We can't even begin to describe the greatness of God. We sing about it every week, but even in our language, our descriptions and our expressions toward him is just a drop in the bucket compared to how great he really is. Let's look at 33. Oh, we'll finish 32. He will be called Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and all of his kingdom there will be no end. We talked about it this morning a little bit. We sang about it, but the kingdom of God. The angel was speaking to Mary in a language that she could understand. I believe that she heard those stories that were passed down from generation to generation sitting around the campfire. She had heard about the Messiah coming. So he was speaking to her in a language that she could understand. He was talking about, you know, David, the line of David, the house of Jacob. These were all things that she had heard over and over again, probably for a lot of generations. That verse also talks about the kingdom of God. What a concept for today. Are we in need of a Savior right now or what? Now more than ever, we need Jesus. We need Jesus to rule over our lives, over our nation, and over this world. We are such in a need for a Savior. I dug this one out of Zechariah 14.9. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day it shall be. The Lord is one and his name one. Another verse that just talks about the whole kingdom of God. I want to talk a little bit about Mary's point of view here. Let's kind of put ourselves in her shoes. I know we have been this whole morning, but think about it. Mary only had the scriptures from Genesis to Malachi. Okay, Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, to the end had not been written yet. So she had those stories. She had those campfire stories that had been passed down. Somebody asked me one time, they said, how do you understand the Bible? I said, it's very simple. You can understand the Bible in 30 seconds. From Genesis to Malachi, it's Jesus is coming. Okay? Jesus is coming. That's it. From Matthew to John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the four Gospels, the red letters, Jesus is here. Very simple concept. And then the rest of the New Testament, Jesus is coming back. Pretty simple concept. Teach that to your kids. Teach your kids the Bible. It's good stuff. But Mary didn't have what we have, right? We're very spoiled. We can dig out things on digital and books and, and this and that. Mary only had that little bit there. 
So this is Mary's response in, in uh, verse 34. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I don't know a man? And the angel answered her and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One is to be born and will be called the Son of God. Jeff talked about this a couple weeks ago, but this is the season of miracles. This was the beginning of a miracle that would ultimately save the world. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. How many of you want the Holy Spirit to come upon you this season, this morning? And again and again. Skip ahead to 37. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Anybody facing an impossible situation this morning? I believe that God wants to crash into our impossible situations. He wants to do miracles in our lives. We're going to shift gears just a little bit. I've shared this with you before, but I believe there's a divine calling on my life. I believe there's a couple of them, actually. But this particular one I've shared with you before, I believe that I have this calling on my life to send animals to meet Jesus. It's okay, you can laugh. <laughs> through farming, through hunting, through different things like that. And people say, why? Why do you do this? Number one, it's biblical. Look it up, Genesis 9. Everything that moves shall be your food. Birds, beasts, and fish, all of it. All of it. In fact, Ethan and I sent a lot of animals to meet Jesus this fall. <laughs> to me, it's a win-win, right? The animals get to meet Jesus. We get to eat. It's all good. <laughs> but we hear this phrase, uh, especially this time of year, about the lamb, the perfect lamb, the blood that was shed. This is totally different. We read about the innocent lamb. Y'all remember the song, Mary, Did You Know? It refers to phrases like heaven's perfect lamb and praises to the lamb. The lamb was that without spots or blemish. didn't have anything wrong with it. It didn't have any sickness or deformity. I'm just going to look at Luke 2 just a little bit and talk about these shepherds. Why? Why shepherds, right? So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste. You ever wonder who haste was? No, no. It's not a person. Haste is they did it quickly. They came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. Right? It's a fulfillment of the prophecy that the angels spoke. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told to them concerning the child, and all those who heard it marveled at the things which were told by the shepherds. Stay with me just a couple more minutes. We'll, we'll be home by 2 o'clock for lunch, I promise. So what, what, why shepherds? What's the importance of the, these shepherds? The shepherds were actually referred to as temple shepherds. You're like... Okay, what's a temple shepherd? 
These shepherds were keeping sheep that were ultimately going to be raised and taken into the temple to be sacrificed by the priests for, for sacrifices of worship. I dug this up for you too. This is a little history. The Mishnah, if you ever heard of that, is a collection of documents recording oral traditions of the lives of Jewish people during the period of Pharisees. One of the regulations of the Mishnah expressly forbids the keeping of flocks throughout the land of Israel, except in the wilderness. The only flocks otherwise kept would be those for the temple services. How cool was that? How cool was God? God shows up to the shepherds and says, Go. See the baby in the manger. They were raising up these sheep that were going to the temple to be slaughtered for sacrifice of worship. But they were also going to worship the innocent, perfect lamb that was going to be raised up, suffer a brutal death for all of us so that we could be saved. How cool is that? Christmas is also worship. If you think you're going to get through one message of mine without hearing about worship, wrong. You know, we hear about the angels singing. We, we hear about the, the wise men that brought their gifts. You know, it was a much later time. But we still do these things today. This was kind of an example that was set for us as Christians. Our very existence is because of the idea that Christmas is worship. I want us to make this personal uh, this season. I believe that God has great things for us in this season. I really do. This season is family gatherings, it's worship times, it's reflection, it's gifts, it's food. It's all good, and I think we should enjoy it. But I also believe that Jesus wants to make himself so real to us. He wants us to see that this is Christmas. But I'm also so convinced that God wants us to focus on him this season. As we started out this morning, there's so many distractions about what is Christmas. I invite you to stand with me this morning. You see, we have communion up here. We're going to receive this in just a minute. Um, if you're in the cafe, there's a table at the front uh, with communion elements. If you're in the balcony, there should be some elements behind you at the table. I want to ask you a couple questions as you're preparing your hearts for communion this morning. What is your focus? What is our focus this season? Where are our hearts at? Where are our desires at? Is Jesus the meaning of our Christmas? Is Jesus our focus? You know, we're going to, as announced earlier, we're going to meet this Thursday night. We're going to have a great time of worship. So I invite you to come out. Invite your friends. Invite your family members. It's going to be a great time. A great time to focus on Jesus. But another way we can focus this morning is by receiving communion. So I just want to invite you. It's kind of going to be a self-serve option. 
Uh, there's gluten-free option on this table here, if that's your preference. But uh, come forward now, just you know, collect your elements, bring them back to your seat, and just kind of hold those as we bow our heads together. your elements you can go back to your seat you can remain standing you can sit down uh, you can kneel at the altar whatever you need to do there's actually four different records of communion um, in the scriptures the one I like is from Matthew 26 Matthew 26 verse 26 it says this and as they were eating as they were eating, Jesus met them. He met the disciples exactly where they were. He didn't wait for the appropriate time. He just crashed in and said, boom, right now, this is it. As they were eating, Jesus took the bread. Let's just take the bread and hold it up. He blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples. And he said, eat, this is my body. Now, this represents, obviously, the body of Jesus that was broken for us. So let's just take a couple minutes. Let's just declare over ourselves this morning. We, we, we talked about healing. If, if you have something right now that's ailing your body, just speak over yourself. Say, by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. By the broken body of Jesus, I am healed. Jesus purchased something when he died. He purchased something in that moment. He bought our right to be healed. Amen. Just continue to pray. Thank you, Jesus, for this bread. Thank you for your body that was broken. He became empty so that we could be full. His body is more than enough for us today. God, we thank you for this bread. And we receive it right now together in Jesus' name. thanks 
saying, drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many of the remission of sins. There has to be bloodshed. There has to be sacrifice. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it with you in my Father's kingdom. I want to do a couple things here. Let, let's just say this together. The blood of Jesus sets me free. Sets me free. Where the Spirit of the Lord, there is freedom, right? Let's say it again. The blood of Jesus sets me free. Thank you, God. I want to do something else. Take, take a couple moments with a cup in your hand and just pray for every member of your family right now. You can pray out loud. You can pray silently. Just give thanks for those that know Jesus. Pray for the ones that don't know Jesus that are still coming into the fold. God, we thank you. Praise you for your blood, Lord. God, we thank you for your blood. We thank you for blood that was shed so that we may be free. We have that freedom. And God, right now, even this morning, as we receive this as a representation of what you did for us, I pray that the, the power of the Holy Spirit that was on Mary would be in all of us. God, that you would do miracles this morning, that you would heal those that need to be healed. Let's receive the cup together in Jesus' name. for each person that's gathered here. And God, as we go from here today, that you would give us protection. God, we thank you for the encounter that we've had with you. God, I pray that we would keep our focus on you this season. Pray for our family gatherings, things that we're doing to celebrate your birth. And God, bring us back here Thursday refreshed, renewed and ready to celebrate your birth. And all this I pray in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Thank you. Have a great day. Be blessed.